second to none on the Second Amendment. This is the Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. Tell you what we've had. Uh, let's see here. Anthony call in and has been on the line for a while. Let's go to Anthony. Anthony, welcome to the uh, Gun Guy Show. Yeah, good, good, good evening. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, not to save my old eyes, but uh, on to the uh, subject at hand. Uh-huh. There's, been, there's been a fair amount of uh, press coverage recently about the FBI using the Treasury Department's Financial Crime Enforcement Net Network to spy on people's bank accounts using keywords and key phrases to build lists of people who were political opponents to the administration. And uh, I know that House Bill 1084 is now sitting in the Senate committee that allowed Senate Bill 28 to kind of die, which was broader. Right. Is there a way of getting some key pieces of SB 28 amended into 1084 put a stop to banks voluntarily doing this? Well, that's a fascinating question, Anthony. And um, I don't know. You know, that's sort of a a new topic that, for instance, we didn't discuss in the committee hearing uh, in the House on 1084. And for people that don't know, what what Anthony's talking about with House Bill 1084, it's a bill uh, to address the fact that the uh, International Organization for Standardization is the name of this group, um, at the urging of... Uh, gun control groups and some very liberal anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment politicians in Washington created a new credit card code. I mean, if you shop in, in different places like a restaurant, your your credit card transaction is coded. And one of the reasons some of the credit card companies or even your bank can offer you a service to where it'll it'll summarize your spending. Like you spent you know this percentage in, in, on groceries, you spent this percentage on retail, you spent this percentage on gas uh, using your credit or your debit card. Um, One of the reasons they can do that is because those transactions are coded. Well, somebody got the idea of, hey, we really want to track purchases at gun stores. And the ostensible reason was that that they could somehow prevent a mass shooting by being able to, to flag suspicious transactions at gun stores. And, and in order to do, to do this, or, or they could they could spot someone who might be in, engaged in gun trafficking, and 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 to do so, they, they needed to identify and be able to flag these purchases at gun stores. What's ludicrous about the whole thing is that it 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 will it will say that you spent money at a gun store. It'll say Guy Relford spent twelve hundred dollars today at Indy Arms. And honey, I didn't spend twelve hundred dollars. For the, for the record. But hypothetically speaking, it doesn't say what I bought. I could have bought a gun safe. Uh, who knows? I could have bought gun cases um, that I can I can use uh, to, to, to personalize or sell to uh, my, my customers, my clients, my students who come take my, my firearms classes. I mean, it, it, it doesn't say what I bought. You know, I could have bought you know, three $400 AR-15s or $1,200 worth of ammunition. And by the way, if I did either of those, how does that flag me as a potential mass shooter or, or, or terrorist or gun trafficker? 
It doesn't make any sense. But but the but a lot of us are concerned because the and I'll talk more about this uh, next segment. But I want to I want to answer Anthony's question because it's a very good one. Um, a lot of people also look at this to say, listen, there's been a long history of attempts at discrimination by not just attempts at discrimination by the financial industry about gun owners and particularly people engaged in the firearm industry, including gun shops. If you recall here a couple of years ago, I had a, a, a gun shop roundtable, I called it. I had five owners of gun shops uh, here in the studio. They all had their own microphone. And we were going around talking about their experiences and just what's going on in their business. And this was right on the tail end of COVID. We were talking about things like, you know, how supply these days? How are your prices? How are you dealing with the fact that you know, your your prices are higher to get ammo or guns because of the shortages resulting from COVID. So how are your customers reacting to that? And toward the end of that, I said, you know what? I'm hearing a lot about people that have been denied um, uh, a bank account or even had their bank accounts closed or been refused by credit card processing companies just because they have a gun shop or they've been associated with a, with a, with a gun industry in some way. And in fact, since then, I had a credit card processor, namely Square, refused to do business with me because I'm a firearms instructor. I said, excuse me? I said, I teach safe and responsible gun ownership. I teach gun safety. Why would you not want to do business with me? Well, we don't want to associate with any business um, that, uh, that, that we equate to gun violence. Excuse me? Gun violence? I teach law-abiding citizens how to defend themselves and how to do so legally and safely and responsibly. So anyway, it, when I asked that question of the five gun shop owners, all five of them raised their hand. Some of them multiple times that had bank accounts closed. And so when you think about it, it all flows together. You create this credit card code where they can flag credit card transactions that occur at a gun shop. Because because before this code, you use your, 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 your credit card at a gun shop, it just shows up as retail. And so it could be the same as you know buying a flannel shirt. But you, you, it just shows up as retail. Now it shows up as purchase at a gun store. Now those credit card processors can refuse that transaction. They can decline it. And what better way to put a gun shop out of business than not allow anybody to use a debit or credit card at the gun store? And we were test, I was testifying for 1084, and 1084 would prevent that. You know what? You can't use credit card codes in Indiana for gun stores. And there's a penalty associated with it. And I'm testifying in favor of this, and one of the senators course, a Democrat says, well, can people just buy cash? Just just use cash. Buy whatever they want to buy with cash. I said, well, yeah, they still could. But you want to put a business out of business? Tell people they can't use credit or debit cards there. Go put a retail store. Go, go try to, to sell shoes and tell people they can't use debit or credit cards. Hell, there's a lot of businesses don't even accept cash anymore. People are used to using their credit or debit card. Hell, you almost tick people off behind you in line if you use cash anywhere now, buying groceries or retail or anything else, because the cashier's got to count out your change and people behind you are going, can't you just swipe your card and get out of my way? Put somebody out of business in about two minutes, don't allow their customers to use debit or credit cards. So 1084 would prevent that. So what Anthony's talking about is taking 1084 and addressing this bigger issue that, that, that he addresses, which is another form of discrimination and, frankly, government tracking as a way of infringing on Second Amendment rights. Interesting question. We will follow up more on that when we come back. Right now, we're past the bottom of the hour. It's time to take a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC.
the show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I want to get into uh, what's going on here at halftime in the Indiana General Assembly. And we talked a little bit about House Bill 1084. If I didn't mention the status of that bill, um, it did pass successfully uh, out of the House. Um, I was there on behalf of the 2A project, uh, as uh, as I'm going to be, and testified in favor of it and told the uh, representatives there in that committee, the uh, Insurance and Financial Institutions Committee, exactly why it was a good bill and was able to, to share uh, some of the examples of discrimination, which, frankly, a credit card code greatly facilitates, greatly, greatly allows the kind of discrimination we're concerned about. And listen, this isn't paranoid. The, the kind of discrimination we're talking about, that again, a credit card code, in my mind, is designed specifically to facilitate. It's real. It's, I've, I've experienced it. Multiple of my friends. I was at Indy Arms today. The owner of Indy Arms was sitting there going, hey, guy, I heard you talking about 1084. Let me, let me tell you my examples. And I had heard several of them before. As a gun shop owner, how he'd been discriminated discriminated against by banks and credit card companies. So it's real. But not only is it real, it's actually part of a declared policy of the Democrats in Washington. And it was announced during the Obama administration by President Obama as Operation Choke Point. Now, Operation Choke Point is broader than this. But it included, it included, and what Operation Choke Point is, it's using financial institutions, in particular the pressure that can be brought by the Treasury Department and FDIC in particular against banks and credit card companies to induce them, to cause them, if you want to say bully them, into discriminating against businesses that the Obama administration disapproved of. Included among those businesses are any businesses associated with firearms, any businesses associated with the Second Amendment. And they went to insurance companies and said, don't insure these people. If they don't have insurance, we can put them out of business. They went to banks and say, close these people's account. Don't do business with them. They went to credit card companies and say, don't process credit card payments for these people. And a bunch of banks, a bunch of credit card processors, bunch of insurance companies jumped right on board. And 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 a lot of a lot of places lost their insurance. A lot of places lost their bank accounts. And including right here in Indiana. It was real. It's not hypothetical. It's not paranoid. It's not, oh, gun owners are always uh, you know throwing their hands in the air, waving their hands, saying, oh, they're out to get us. Guess what? Grandpa Relford used to say, just because you're paranoid don't mean they ain't out to get you. And old Grandpa Relford was completely right when it comes to the Second Amendment and businesses associated with those. So this discrimination we're talking about is not happenstantials. It's not hypothetical. And it's sure as hell not just paranoid. It's real. It happens every day. 
And it's happening right here in Indiana. It's ha- it's happening to, to people you know, your local gun shop. Ask them next time you're in your gun shop. Go in there to buy ammo. Go in there to buy an optic or a weapon-mounted light or a new gun. Say, by the way, man, you know, I heard this crazy guy on the radio talking about discrimination against gun-related businesses. Have you ever experienced any of that? Ask your local gun shop owner about that. Find the owner because he's going to know. Or she's going to know. And I'll guarantee you the answer is going to be, oh, hell yes. Not just once, but multiple times. And what better way to facilitate that discrimination than being able to identify those particular financial transactions that you want to use to discriminate with? In other words, deny that transaction. Oh, sorry, no, we don't choose to process that. We, In fact, now that we see this many, we're going to seek out that particular business and make sure that none of our affiliates or associated businesses have accounts with them. And we as a business can discriminate against anybody we choose to. And and, and listen, that's the rub when we, when we fight on these bills. And I got to tell you, it's a little bit of a challenge for me because I'm a small government guy. I've been preaching that for a long time. My friends will have some issue where they, you know, they're upset about whatever it might be. And they'll say, well, we need a law that says this or we need a law that says that. And my response is always, oh, you see, you want more government. You want more government control of private business, private industry. More government's always a bad idea. I've been preaching that for a long damn time. So it's easy to to say that I'm being hypocritical. And I've had to circle this square in terms of my own philosophy because I'm in advocating 1084 to say the government ought to not allow the financial industry to use these credit card codes. What are we talking about? We're talking about government control of private industry. Doesn't that make me a complete hypocrite when I also advocate for small government and a hands-off approach, a laissez-faire approach to private industry. And here's my response to that. In fact, I was asked that exact question in the in the committee hearing by a Republican who said, he said, Guy, listen, I'm, I'm, I listen to everything you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, and I think this is a problem we need to address. But we've got the banking industry in here saying we don't need any more government regulation. We've got the credit card processors in here testifying, saying, you know, you're talking about big government here. You know, you need to let us do business the way we choose to do business. And 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 I'm sympathetic to that. And I said, you know, representative, I I'm completely sympathetic to that as well. But here's how here's I here's how I can circle that square. And that is that what we're talking about here is a policy that's in furtherance of a government agenda. It's an agenda of a liberal White House started by the Obama administration and now running full bore, full speed ahead by the Biden administration in partnership with private industry to, 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 to further, to augment, to enhance, and to, in fact, enforce and implement a government policy of discrimination against lawful businesses like gun shops. And not just gun shops, we're talking about instructors, gun retailers, gun wholesalers, the whole nine yards. 
And so when private industry partners with the government and chooses a side in, in the sense that I want to use my private business to implement a strategy of a liberal government and discriminate against law-abiding citizens and law-abiding businesses, then I think they lose that general assumption that we ought to keep the hands off when it comes to government control of private industry. Yeah, if you want to say that's still uh, hypocritical, I can see how you get there. But I think you lose the protection. Like just like people say, well, wait a minute, you know, shouldn't Twitter be be sanctioned in some way because again, this is before ownership changed. But you know, when 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 the government, when the when the when the administration reached out or the Democrat Party reached out to Twitter and said, man, you need to kill these stories about the, the, about the Hunter Biden laptop. And they did. And they did that in partnership with a political party and elements of the government. Does the same rule apply to say, hey, we, 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 we don't have constitutional protections against private industry? The, 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 sec, the, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights generally protect you against the government. They don't protect you against private industry, and that's completely true. But what about private industry acting in partnership with a government? Should they maintain that same protection? Or does the Bill of Rights then do certain constitutional protections that apply to that private industry? That becomes a very interesting discussion. In the meantime, I'm well beyond the three-quarter hour. We're going to have a real short segment when we come back. We're going to continue to take your phone calls, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC.